0: when you think of flow and you think of coaching all the people that you have coached and the drivers etc a how do you feel it differs from peak performance Um, and then b how do you feel you help people find that optimal state or plug into flow
1: is there a difference between flow and peak performance
0: You've got kind of peak performance, and then you've got flow, and then you've got peak experiences. Okay, so peak performance and flow overlap, and uh, flow and peak experiences overlap. And peak performance is more of an outcome state of mind. (laughs) You can perform well without performing at your optimum. Does that make sense? So you can still win whilst actually not playing that well. Uh, or performing that well. And flow is a state where um, we perform in our optimal um, zone, you know, our our top state of excellence and then winning is more of a kind of a byproduct. So um, in psychological terms, peak performance is more associated with outcomes rather than flow is more associated with an optimal state and then peak experiences is more associated with emotions and um, it has kind of no connection with uh, functionality and output. Does that kind of resonate? Yeah
1: yeah although I mean I guess I look at peak performance I, I look at performance I mean certainly performance over results all the time um, you know you're right the result is just the it's the byproduct um, I guess I kind of look at a peak performance or an optimal performance as being, uh, I don't know if it's impossible, but I think it's near impossible to perform at your peak or in, in an optimal way without being in the flow. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, um, and, and, you know, and it's certainly not something you can go. That's it. I'm going to go out there and be in the flow today. Um, you know, it, it it is something that you 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 perform, and I'm not going to say it. it just happens because that sounds a little too um, happenstance because there are a number of things that you can do to help get yourself in um, to improve the likelihood of you being in the flow you know and therefore if you perform in the flow you're more likely to be performing at your peak um, and therefore uh, more likely to get the result that you're after Um, you know I, I, I think that is an area that i end up working with with race drivers on almost more than anything else is because they're typically they're very very competitive people like in a lot of sports or perhaps in all sports you know i don't know what it is about race driving but you know motorsport in general there's sort of this this kind of very macho approach and you know it's all about push 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 i got to beat everybody and i think you know because perhaps more than more than a lot of other sports the equipment plays a big maybe a bigger role you know if you're playing tennis you know the differences between tennis rackets and shoes are it's pretty small you know the differences between cars in, in motorsport is, is pretty big it can be pretty big so a lot of a lot of drivers end up um, it, it, it becomes fairly easy to blame results or lack thereof on your equipment. And, and at the same time, you end up spending a lot of time, or a lot of drivers end up spending a lot of time looking at what everybody else is doing. So, you know, so they're wandering around prior to a race, looking at everybody else's car, looking at that and going, look what they're doing, look what they're doing, look what they're doing. And so an area of my coaching that I spend a lot of time on is getting, people, getting drivers to focus on their own performance and not being so, so caught up in what the competition is doing you know, my, my whole thing is you cannot control the competition and you cannot control the result. The only thing you can, you can control is your performance. So um, getting drivers to make that mindset switch of focusing on their performance rather than the competition and the results, it's a difficult one. And, you know, tons of examples of, you know, drivers who are so caught up in looking at the lap time that flashes up on the little mini dashboard in the car. So they're every lap, you know, every single lap, they're looking at that lap time, lap time, lap time, lap time. And you know, in my coaching, if I can just simply get on the radio and distract them from from looking at that lap time by talking to them about something they feel or something they hear while that. That lap time shows up on the screen, so they don't actually look at it. All of a sudden, their lap times start coming down and becoming quicker. So it's it's part of how to help the driver stop focusing on those competition their, or the competition and the results, um, focusing on their own performance, and therefore more likely to get that flow experience and therefore perform at their peak. Yeah, a big roundabout uh, way of answering your partially yeah. answered. I
0: think so that's great and what what typically would you get them to focus on in their performance um, rather than Uh, those lap times
1: so uh, um, so as an example there was just a a couple years ago I was working with with a driver um, and so on the radio so I'm able to talk to the driver over the radio while he's in the car so is the race engineer and the race engineer has made changes to the car and the driver goes out for a practice session just prior to qualifying um it's kind of in his mind the engineer has or the engineer has told him this this and this is going to make the car quicker the driver now is almost put in his mind that there is this lap time you know it's now going to be 3 tenths of a second faster so the engineer every single time he comes across the start finish line the engineers on the radio saying the lap time was 1 minute 34.2 seconds, for example, which is three-tenths of a second slower than he had been going. And and now the driver's in the car almost, I can see it in the body language of the tilt of the head of the, of the helmet. I can see that the driver's kind of in the, <clears throat> I'm going to try harder.
0: Mm, and, try and force and, it.
1: Yeah, so it doesn't work. So I get on the radio and... Um, just prior to where I know the engineer is going to talk to the driver, I key the mic and start talking to the driver and say, all I want you to do is focus on what you can hear. Can you hear the sound of the tires as they're going through this turn? Can you hear the sound of the di-? But I talk in that section of the track where the engineer is talking to him. The engineer is on the radio talking, doesn't realize that I've keyed the mic and the, and the driver doesn't hear what he's saying. Um, so now the driver isn't hearing the engineer giving the lap time. And I'm telling them, just focus on what you can hear. Just focus on what you can hear. Just focus on what you can hear. And um, so an, an area that I work with with drivers is, is all about input quality. And, you know, as kind of a, a model of how we perform as humans, playing tennis or driving a race car or whatever else is, you know, I kind of look at the you put quality information into your brain. Your brain processes it based on the programming or the software in our brain, and we get an output. You know, playing tennis, if you see a ball coming towards you that has topspin on it, you pick that up, and you pick that up primarily. You pick that up visually, but you also pick it up a little bit from the sound. Do you not? You know, you can hear the competitor hit the ball, and you kind of pick that up in the in, in a very subtle way. Mm. Uh, same thing as a driver. I mean you're going through a turn and you hear the sound of the air rushing past the car, you hear the sound of, perhaps you hear the sound of the tires, perhaps you hear the sound of the car on the surface of the pavement, you hear the sound of the engine note, whether it's rubbing more freely, whether it's kind of sounds kind of bound up because you've got too much steering in. So, um, we hear those things. We feel them in a car, obviously you're feeling a lot of g-forces build and then start to release as the tires reach their limits and let go. visually we see the the horizon change, you know, as we either turn the wheel or the car starts to slide. So I work with a lot of drivers on improving the quality of the sensory information going into their brain. And um, so when I do that, um, it kind of does two things. One, it gives the brain better quality information. But two, it distracts the driver away from trying, from being in the try mode. And, and it kind of just gets them to relax. And again, focus on being in the moment. You know, if, if I'm telling the driver, what do you hear? What do you feel? What do you see? When I'm asking those questions, whether it's I've queued them up beforehand to be thinking about those things or whether I'm able to actually talk to the driver in, on the short straightaways between turns, to kind of like to to cue them up for as they're going through the corner. What do you hear? What do you feel? What do you see? Um, Now they're focused on being in the moment rather than what's my result going to be? What's this lap time going to be? I think some people might even be surprised to hear how many even top-level elite Mm -hmm. race drivers um, while they're going through a corner at 140 miles an hour four Mm -hmm. um, lateral G-forces pushing against them, you know, on the very limit. If something goes wrong, it's probably going to hurt. And at that moment in time, they think about, what's the crew going to think if this lap time is one-tenth of a second slower than my previous one? Mm. You know, and they're like, and you're like, "Should should that be the thought that's going on right then? No. So through a number of different strategies, whether it's trying to improve quality of the sensory information coming in, trying to build the programming, mental programming, um, to be able to use that sensory input for the right ways at the right time, trying to help the driver be in the moment, um, trying to control their emotions, their state of mind, um, um, and, you know, a number of those things, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to do to bring them, to, to increase the likelihood of them being more in the flow.
0: And you do that a lot with senses, so heightening different senses and receiving, you know, in-the-moment information rather than cognitive uh, patterns that are typically drawing us away from fast reactions and blocking good information that we can then make smart and fast decisions on.
1: My experience has been that the best drivers take in better quality information. It's, it's one of the reasons that they're... Better than the other drivers, and I think you know you can apply that to pretty much any sport. You know, the best tennis players notice more what's happening. You know, they they hear the pop of the ball, how it comes off the of competitor's racket. You know, they see it. They you know they they almost feel you know the movement more. The best soccer slash football players. You know, it's almost like they know what's happening behind them, right? And how do they know that? Well, it's certainly not through their vision, but it's through what they hear and they feel. They can almost feel players around them. And, you know, it's it's that ability. It's, it, it has more to do with what, what you have developed through the years than what you were born with. Sure, there is something, you know, you have to have some basic DNA equipment when you're born. And uh, probably more than anything else, I think when you're born, you need to have that, uh, the DNA that sets you up for, I'm going to work hard at this. Because then if you're going to work hard at it, you're going to develop all those things. And, you know, it's, there's a reason why I think great athletes are, are, they're great in many other sports as well. You know, they've played a lot of sports and they're good at, at for taking in quality sensory information.
0: Hmm.
1: And you can apply that. Like I said, I I don't know of a sport where that doesn't apply.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or oh, anything, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, like just being you know, Yeah, it changes your perspective. Changes yeah. what you see, what you think, and then what you're going to do next, and yeah, yeah. And the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you um, you know, typically, I imagine the drivers you work with, you know, they've they've had 10 15 years of conditioning before they before they meet you you know and that urge to compare and to you know really think it through is probably pretty um well entrenched so how do you find that kind of key to the lock to uh, enable them to focus on the senses and on that quality information rather than be consumed by that automated script that's going on
1: drivers that Hire me to coach them. You know they—they're coming to me with a—they—they a, want to get better, and I have a track record, um, no pun intended. And so when I then present them with, uh, I kind of—I go through what I call a performance model, and basically it's the model of how I—I I, I coach. And when I explain that to them, they kind of go, "Oh, okay, that makes sense," and therefore the whole concept of. We're going to work on improving the quality of your sensory information. Or we're going to work on improving your mental programming. Or we're going to work on improving uh, your ability to get into the right state of mind. Or we're going to work on um, your ability to process information, mentally process it, information more quickly. So they, I guess I presented to them in a, in a very logical way, that especially for uh, especially for. A lot of race drivers who are very analytical thinkers, you know, they're very, and they're very, like I said, very competitive and very um, uh, almost mechanical in their thinking. You know, if it's a little too woo woo, you know, <laughs> a little too out there, they're going, oh man, this is. So I've got to bring it down into a very logical, um, give them a kind of, a, to look at it in a, in a logical way. And when you do that, and, you know, fortunately, there's enough science, there is science behind everything that I do and when you explain it in that scientific logical way, they go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Where it gets a little more challenging is then when we get to the track and it's like, okay, there's a a session that you're going to go on track whether it's a practice session or a qualifying session or even a race and I say, rather than going out there and focusing on how fast you can drive, I want you to go out there and focus on what you can hear, for example. And they're like, what? Shouldn't we be trying to go quick? And they go, no, remember the whole model? And they go, oh, yeah, okay. And then when they go and do it, uh, you know, well, in, in the past 20 years, I've never had anybody go, oh, well, that didn't work. Um, I've had every single one of them go, well, that worked. Now, some it works, that specific strategy worked better for, for them for some drivers over another driver. But it works for, the, for all of them. So immediately they go, oh, I can see the result now. And then I replay that back to the, that result was due to your performance. And so, you know, it, it's for a lot of drivers, it's a, it's a gradual switch. For some, it's like, wow, I just, I'm buy in. And, you know, right now, if you told me to go and run off that cliff, I'd do it now, <laughs> which is scary. Um, but, but I think, you know, you bring up a good point of, you know, a lot of drivers come and they they have a lot of they have a lot of programming. You know, they've been doing it the same way for many many years, and for some drivers, it's it's a longer process. You know, so then we get into the you know the use of or a more deliberate, planned, strategic use of mental imagery to help them change their their mental programming, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this there are a lot of people that think they're doing mental imagery, but they're really just closing their eyes and thinking about something. And sure, that helps, but cer- but certainly not to the level of, you know, a proper mental imagery session where, um, you know, you're you're really changing programming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then, you know, to be honest, I, I have a lot of drivers who, yeah, I have a lot of drivers I work with that have been doing racing for 10, 15, 20 years, I have a lot of drivers that have just taken up the sport, whether they're young, young drivers who have come up through karting and they're on their way to Formula 1 or IndyCar or NASCAR or something like that and they're relatively new moving from karts into cars and I work with them at a young age there so they're very moldable at that point You know, I can mold them into whatever they need to be or you know, I, I get a lot of middle-aged, typically men, who have been successful in business, who have maybe either dabbled in motorsport as a hobby, or has you know, they, they, they've always followed the sport and kind of always wanted to drive, mm. so now, you know, they're at the point in their life where they have a lot of money, they go out and buy a Porsche or Ferrari, whatever, they start to do some track days, and the next thing they know, they get bored with kind of the, just driving their street car around the track, and they want to go racing, mm. and... So working with a lot of drivers at that level. Um, And and that's an interesting experience because they've been very, very successful in their business life. And a lot of what has gotten them there is that logical, analytical way of thinking. Or at least they believe that's what got got them there. But my experience has been that Some of the best, most successful business people, while they have that, they also kind of have that intuitive gut feel piece. And first of all, they're really good at envisioning something. They're really good at mental imagery. They can see where their business is going to go, and they can map it all out in their mind, and when it happens, or, you know, it's really not a surprise to them. It's like, well, I kind of knew this was going to happen. So they're really good at mental imagery, um, and they're really good at kind of that intuitive gut level thinking as well Well, where does that come from? It comes from taking in good quality sensory information so they do that but they think that what got them to where they are in business is that analytical thinking and so they get in the track and they try to drive in that very analytical way and they try to pick up driving a race car at a high speed very quickly and you know Partially because, partially because they go, hey, well I've been successful in all these other things in my life, and I drive a car on a street. I should be able to drive it really fast on a racetrack. And yeah. yet, driving's not very easy to do. So they try to force it. And uh, mm. my my favorite uh, my favorite cue my favorite saying with them is drive stupid. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like that's the cue of okay time to shut off your brain stop. Thinking in an analytical way and just, and just, drive. Drive, and just yeah. drive, So it's kind of our joking cue is, you
0: know, okay, drive stupid. Um, <laughs> and do you, do you find they take those those lessons and then adapt them to the corporate environment? I know you've done a lot of work with um, not just successful business people coming and wanting to be better drivers, but also taking the lessons from driving into the the business or corporate world. Um, how does that pan out and what do you think are the, kind of the most important um, integrations that, that you can do?
1: So uh, so absolutely, um, you know, when I first started doing what I call inner speed secrets, it's really the mental game of, of driving, and My because I wrote books called Speed Secrets, kind of my brand is Speed Secrets and I kind of went really focused on the mental game, it was like inner speed secrets. So. I started doing a series of seminars, um, inner speed secret seminars, and I would have young drivers on their way to Formula One, and I'd have older drivers that are trying to keep up with these young kids and everybody in between. And what I found immediately was these older people. I hate to use the word older because older could be 25 years old. Uh, you know, a lot of them would 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 come away from a seminar and say, "Wow, this." really helped me with my driving but I'm applying some of these things to my business and it's really paying off it's really it's really helping there and by the way I mean the very first time it happened was by the way would you come and do the same seminar for my sales staff so I did that and then I started doing a lot of work in the business world in the corporate world and it really is I mean what did I say performance is performance you know if you can learn to perform at a high level in one area what can you learn from there that applies to over here and so I'd say as many drivers that have learned from what I do, what I help them with um, to help them become better drivers almost as many of those have gone on and used it in their their corporate world as well. Um, I I think as I mentioned you know one of it is the ability to visualize or mentally image where things are going to go, that's a big part of it. A big part of it is is around feedback. You know, so much of, certainly what you do in a race car at speed is around feedback. You know, you're you're in this constant loop. You know, you do something, something happens. The car gives you feedback somehow. And based on that, you adapt and you change. And what you learn very quickly, very, very quickly in a race car is, is, you know, first of all, if you make a mistake right here, there's no point in thinking about it. You better be thinking about what's happening up ahead because you can't do anything about what just happened here. So you need to be looking ahead. And, you know, it's the same thing in business. There's a thing that I kind of stumbled across. Um, I call it this magical, not magical, but I, I call it my learning formula. I found that if somebody has a very, very clear mental image uh, of what they're trying to achieve, and they have a very, and they're very aware of where they are right now in relationship to that. Our brain does something to bring those two together quickly. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about setting goals and having a good, clear image of what your goals are. And a lot of that's what mental imagery is. A lot of, a lot of mental imagery is about is is having that clear mental image of, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have more fall throughout my backhand. Or nice. it's I'm gonna come out of this corner and the car is gonna be placed here on the track and I see myself coming through this corner and it's gonna be placed here on the track and I, I play that, rehearse that in my mind over and over and over again. Well that's great and it does help you learn quicker and it does help. But if you then go on to the court and go, How is my backhand follow through? What is my backhand fall? If I simply just become aware of it, not being not in a judgmental way, but just simply how it what's it like? Or as I come out of the corner, where am I placed? So I sort of came up with this. I, I call it just, it's MI plus A equals G, meaning mental image plus awareness equal will lead you to your goal. And and I, I kind of use that as my own strategy working with drivers is, you know, I really focus on them making, making sure that that driver has a good clear mental image of what it is they're trying to achieve. And then when they're on the track, help them become aware of, where they are in relationship to that. Again, not in a judgmental way, in a boy, I screwed that up, but just in a, oh, the car felt like that, or the car was placed here, or I heard this kind of thing. Um, And then the more I worked in the corporate world, and I have some experience on startups, I started a few companies and founded a few companies, and what I found was actually, that's a really useful tool in business, you know, kinda of your your the, the MI, the mental image, is really your it's kinda of your business plan, it's your strategy, it's where you're going with your business. But if you also don't have your your daily, weekly, monthly metrics to kind of show how you're you're moving you're, towards that, that goal, you're unlikely to get it. So a business that has a great strategic plan, a great business plan, but isn't measuring the day to day stuff to know how they're doing, they're not gonna be successful. A business that gets so caught up in the day to day of the metrics of day of uh, you know the financials, the personal numbers of sales—I mean, all those things—but doesn't really know where they're going long term-wise, they're not going to be as successful. The best businesses have both of those. So, that's—I guess—just a, a simple example of an area that that I found that applies to learning to drive fast and learning to make your business successful.
0: Mm. Great stuff. Thank you very much. I don't
1: know. Interesting long question to that. To that yeah,
0: point, so. no, it's great. It's great to hear your kind of knowledge and um, you know come forth. And it, it's a real interesting space, you know, where <coughs> sporting um, lessons applying to kind of different realms. You know, and as we talked to right at the beginning, you know, that mindset of uh, can transform into all areas, even just waking up and decoding what information we're going to absorb and then make decisions on on a daily basis.
1: You know the whole idea of mindset is we either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And you know, the good news is for me I rarely have somebody comes to come to me with a very fixed mindset. Because if they did have a very fixed mindset they wouldn't be coming to me. Yeah. They'd be going, "Well, that's just the way I am." Yeah. You know, fortunately, the people that want coaching um, you know, they have a growth mindset. And so, I, you know, again, it's kind of a similar thing in, in business as well. But what I also learned in my experience of working with with Carol Dweck and that whole concept and when I started really digging into that part of it is, you know, people have a fixed mindset about one thing. I mean, they may have a growth mindset over here, but you'll reach one little piece and you go, no, nah, that's just the way it is. You know, and... and you can kind of draw them out of that and you can kind of get them to see that to I guess to help them move out of that that fixed mindset area as well so.